0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You know, there is a very good reason why I have been lobbying for some kind of rule or restriction or automatic flex or actually a straight-up banishment of Daniel Jones and the Giants when it comes to primetime games. Reason being pretty damn obvious, right? This Giants team is a giant Waste of prime time. This Giants team is a waste of everybody's time. It even looks like the Giants know this. Now, I'm not even going to say I told you so because nobody needed to be told that they didn't want to watch Danny Turnovers eat another prime time L. Nobody wanted to watch that. Not even Giants fan wanted to watch that. And it's not even that I've got anything against Daniel T's as a dude, I only have a problem with Daniel T's as a primetime quarterback. How many times does this dude have to get his ass handed to him before they stop making us watch it? How many times does this guy have to get his ass handed to him before they stop pointing the cameras at him? It's like, stop the fight already. Somebody pull primetime off of Daniel Jones. The dude is now 1-12 in in primetime in his career. And as ESPN showcased with their fancy graphic last night, that makes him the worst primetime quarterback by win percentage since the merger itself. Last night might have been, might have been his masterpiece of ass. Honestly, the only thing that the Bears-Bronco Super Bowl of ass... Was missing on Sunday was Daniel Dimes, who has now been glossed Danny Pennies on the X. And I'm not even sure he's worth that much. But I bet the Giants are really happy they shelled out 160 mil for him this offseason. Think about this dude's latest primetime effort. Look Look at it. The Seahawks just keep giving the Giants Giants last night ways back into that game. Even though the Giants barely look like they want to be out there at all. The G-Men even had a chance, incredibly enough, to make it a one-score game late in the third quarter. They had goal to go from the five and a chance to jump right back in this thing and make it a single-score game only to have Danny turnovers go Danny turnovers yet again.
1: He's got three wide. He sends
0: him in motion. Right foot ahead of his left. Shot bench snap. Crocks back three. Runs right throw. Intercepted. It's picked up on the play. Witherspoon. The five on the numbers upfield. The 20. The
1: 30. Breaks a tackle. 50. Angles to the middle. The 30. The 20. Far
0: side 10. Check five. out the pink pros the on Touchdown. the left hand side of the screen. Touchdown. It's a Seattle. Pick six. Devin Witherspoon. Westwood won, of course, on the call. And if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, the look on Pinky's face and Pinky's little bro's face on the Pinky cast said it all. Just a classic Danny Penny's disaster right there. Daniel Wooden Nichols. Like, are you kidding? A pick six, 97 yards. What an absolute stud, by the way, the number five overall pick is. Devin Weatherspoon did not look like he was playing in his fourth career game last night. This guy looked dominant. Dude looked like a vet. And he also sounded like a vet after the game when he went right in on Dan- Danny Tees.
1: We were just trusting the game plan the Coach blitz laid out for us. Um, we knew he liked to stare down his first target, so he had his back turned. A lot of guys just win their one-on-one matchups up front, man, side-outside D-line. Uh, without
0: them, we couldn't make the plays that we made. Wow. That dude is four games in, four games into his career, and just absolutely dunking all over Daniel Penny's for staring down receivers. I mean, dang, that is brutal and awesome. This guy's four games in. And he's running that kind of junk. That's gotta be the worst reverse windmill by a rookie on a veteran quarterback since the sack of potatoes massacre.
1: Him in person, it was pretty funny because on TV and stuff, you see him like, like from college stuff, you like, okay, he look in shape on TV. But you see him in person, it's like weird. He like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Bro.
0: That That still does not get nearly enough credit. Never mind that that's one of the greatest lines ever. That does not get nearly enough credit. Reek won. Alvin, I think I will need that again in one moment. This guy's talking about you watch him on TV and he looks like he's in shape, and then you see him in person. Dang, he's like a sack of potatoes.
1: Seeing him in person, it was pretty funny because on TV and stuff, you see him like, 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 he's in shape on TV. But you see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) 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 Bro.
0: You see him in person, and it's, like, weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. Reek Woollen. Hall of Fame exchange. By the way, he is Devin Witherspoon's teammate. Man, you got to hand it to the speed-talking gum assassin. That dude can draft and develop a cornerback. And those corners can run devastating smack. Man, they make plays and then they run their mouths, and it's awesome. Witherspoon was not the only one who got a jab in either on dimes after the game. And no, I'm not saying this is all dimes' fault. I'm just saying we got to start somewhere. QB1, prime time, look at the numbers. So he's going to take a lot, because they do. The quarterback always gets too much blame and too much credit, and in this case, way too much money. Of course, Brian Dable was going to get asked about looking incredibly put out at dimes during that game. Well, basically the entire game, but especially after that unforgivable pick six. Essentially, Dable was having the same reactions to watching Danny play quarterback that all of America was having to watching Danny play quarterback. Here was Dable's response to what he told Pennies when the cameras caught him tossing that tablet aside in frustration. Answer. Yeah, I'm not
2: gonna get in the particulars of it. Uh, just we didn't get the job done.
0: What did you want him to do on that play?
2: Yeah. Well obviously not throwing interceptions. So
0: good one, Belichick without the rings. What did you want him to do on that play? Not throw an interception. Hey, good one, Dave. Thank you very much for the insight. Well, Thanks for letting us in. So, Listen, Danny Pennys was painful. And he's been literally the worst prime time quarterback we've ever seen. But last night was not all on him. Daves has been skating so far in this segment. Then again, if he's on thin ice, we know he's going to plunge right into the freezing water. You see me working. Hey, Dabes, by the way, The hell happened to your team? The hell happened to you? The hell happened to your offensive line? Are you trying to get your overpaid, no-show-in-primetime quarterback killed? Because it sure as hell looks like it. How amazing a story were these guys? Like, five minutes ago, this was the reigning NFL Coach of the Year. But it's almost impossible to believe that watching this team this season, that he was that last season. Because if there were no Chicago Bears, we would probably be talking about the Dable Giants as the worst team in the entire league right now. In fact, there's no probably about it. They would be. They've played seven halves of horrendous, non-competitive football. If it weren't for that crazy second-half comeback against the Cardinals, this team would be 0-4. 0-4 with four blowout losses when they were supposed to be a contending team this year. And you can't tell me watching last night that that team's putting in good effort and grinding out and just not having any good fortune. None of that's true. They're not putting in good effort. They're not grinding out. They're barely putting in any effort at all. They barely look like they want to be there. Never mind losing. They're not even competitive. They're barely showing up. They don't even compete. I say this all the time about the NFL. You can go from bad to good or good to bad in a flash. It happens all the time. Every single year it happens to somebody. And the Giants are no different. In fact, they're a perfect textbook example. They went from one of the best stories, best stories of all of last year to one of the very worst stories right now, and it took maybe five minutes for it to happen. I did not want to be watching that game at all. I made that clear before that game. I've been saying that for quite some time. I did not want to be watching that game at all. And I still felt more invested and more locked in than the Giants themselves looked. And I wanted nothing to do with that game. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is Farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep. All these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Rome. Use the code 50 Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, hellofresh.com slash 50 Rome. Make sure to use the code 50 Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. hellofresh.com slash 50 Rome. The Giants look like they were waiting for somebody, anybody, to step in and just stop that fight. Because clearly, they were incapable of defending themselves. That's what the referees are for, right? When a guy's getting the bleep knocked out of him, and he's not returning punches, and he can't defend himself, they stop the fight. Never mind a challenge flag. These guys were all looking over to the corner, wondering why nobody was throwing the white flag onto the field. Because that beating was cruel and Inhumane, And the last thing anybody wants to see is an entire team hooked up to a ventilator going through the rest of their lives collectively as a vegetable. So let me ask again, what the hell happened to this alleged supposed Tiffany organization and this coach of the year? What has happened to the once-proud New York football giants? Because there is nothing Tiffany or Proud about this crap. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, they just let the gum assassin blow into their house last night, beat their asses, and then pull his Jim Zorn nonsense in the postgame locker room.
1: I'm gonna save a little bit for last. Uh, offense went through the night. Goose egg, one time. Hey. 121 yards left for the old line. Hey. We got no touchdown by that other team. Points. Hey. Talking
0: about, uh, uh we had uh, uh. three turnovers tonight. Let's give us on, on the three. Keep uh, hey, hey, hey. hey. Bizarre it's the universe do they all live
2: That's it. in. Finish. It. That's it. finish.
0: It. That's it. When when did Howard Dean become coach? Of the Seahawks. Like I, I have no how did that not end with a hip hip hooray? Hip hip hooray! Hip hip, hip, hip hooray. hooray! When I say see, you, you say hawks. When I say see, you say hawks. When I say see, you say hawks, see hawks, see hawks. What's Bud sermon says? Where's my gum? I have no idea, one, I have no idea what the hell he was saying. Two, I have no idea how they knew what the hell he was saying. Three, I have no idea how grown-ass men respond to crap like that. I just know that those grown-ass men are responding to that and a hell of a lot better than whatever Dable is telling his grown-ass men to get them ready week to week because they're not ready week to week. I don't get Pete Carroll at all. I really don't. I don't understand him. I don't get him. That's one weird old dude, but he's effective, but he wins 72 just uttering gibberish at 90 miles per hour, but they're three and one and they're a factor. They matter. My that's point really, is that's finished. That's finished. Where's my bubble yum? My point is, there's a lot more to what's going wrong with the Giants than just that turnover machine, that turnover factory they have under center. It's not entirely his fault that he has the worst primetime winning percentage ever. But even if it's not all of his fault, nobody wants to watch this garbage in prime time ever what's again. What? Ever again, much less anytime soon. Uh oh, look at the schedule. Uh-oh. Unfortunately for everybody in the world, the Giants somehow, some way are back in two weeks on Sunday night football in Buffalo. In fact, the next two Giants games are in Miami and in Buffalo and in prime time. Oh. And before you come running up in here, demanding a flex. The league announced the week six flex already. It's Bucks lions moving into the 4.30 Eastern Fox time slot, which means Daniel Pennies and the Giants are not going anywhere, which means we all have to sit through yet another primetime massacre in two weeks. So once again, I will ask the league this. Why can't we get a new rule? The league does what the league wants. They've made that pretty clear. We'll come up with a new rule, one specifically for pennies. It has to be an auto flex, a primetime banishment, something, anything. We will take anything at this point, anything other than the Giants in primetime. It's not Danny Nichols' fault. He's Danny Nichols. That's not his fault. What, was he going to say no to 160 mil? It's not Danny Nichols' fault that he's Danny Nichols. Danny ought to rip a page out of Justin Fields' playbook and just blame the coaching. Could be, uh, you know, coaching. Dable. Wait. Could be, uh, you know, Wait. coaching. You want Could me be, uh, to drop back and throw it 40-plus times. Are you sure about that, Coach? Coaching. I mean, the guy gets hit every other time he drops back. They sacked him 11 times last night. If I'm Danny, you know how dangerous it is for the quarterback generally to run the ball? Not nearly as dangerous as that guy sitting back in the pocket as a sitting duck. Man, if I were Danny, I'd go 30 rushes a game. It's safer. It's better for the offense. They might move the chain. I mean, damn, sacks are nearly a positive play for the Giants. Hey, glass full glass full Jim Rome here. Instead of saying that he threw two picks, we should be saying 32 passes went unintercepted. 32 passes were non-picks. Enjoy Victory Tuesday 12s. Why don't we give the last word to Seattle's finest orator, who is still Reek One?
1: Hey, is it recording or is it a, a, a patient? The recording... It's
0: a, it's a video.
1: ...video. Okay, so look, we came to the Big Apple. I don't even like fruit like that. But we came to the Big Apple, and we ate like a mug.
0: <laughs> this dude's the absolute best. The guy who dropped the sack of potatoes blast on the world said, Hey, we came to the Big Apple. I don't even like fruit. But we went to the Big Apple and ate like a mug. And we ate like a mug. <laughs> <laughs> You did, dude. Couldn't have said it better myself. The Seahawks did eat like mugs. They feasted on apple, apple sauce, apple pie, apple fritters, apple juice, apple crisps, caramel apple. Yo, Rick, what's wrong with fruit though? Are you more of a savory guy over a sweet? Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky, shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings quality smoked meat at its finest it goes with you wherever you go to the game to the gym to the beach so look for old trapper in the clear view bag you can see the quality you're buying look for it in major retail stores near you clones if you do not see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares old trapper what's your beef dion dawkins he joins us via zoom dion good to have you back what's up how you feeling what's up
1: brother but how you doing
0: Good, dude, good. Great to have you. All right, so I understand that every single game is important, but given all the hype surrounding Miami after they dropped 70 on Denver in week three and the way you guys came out and dominated them on both sides of the ball, were you looking to make a statement to not only Miami, but the rest of the league that we're still here, you still have to deal with us?
1: You know, Rome, like, the world wanted to make it such a big thing about the Dolphins, the Bills, this and that—all oh, the Bills are not the same Bills after the first loss and all of this stuff. But it—it it was not a statement game. It—it it wasn't nothing but just that next game. The world tried to make it bigger than what it was, and if we would have let them or allowed them to let them make it bigger than what it was, then it would have been a bad turnout. So we just took it for what it is. We just took it for what was next and that's just our next game. But you know, every time you like you play a conference game, which in our conferences, the Jets, the Dolphins and the Patriots, those games are always going to be high intensity, a little bonus star just a little bit because it's in our conference. and. You know, like we have to take care of home base first and it was a home game, you know, like we take our home game serious and and regardless who that team was, we're treating it like we're defending like our dirt, which is our home court.
0: That's it. Deion Dawkins joining us. You're right. That is your dirt. That is your territory, which is interesting, right? Because like the Bills Mafia loves you. You in return love them. I'm curious when you talk about defending your home dirt. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, you played your college ball at Temple, which was great for you. But in Philadelphia at Temple, we're talking about smaller crowds now. What's it like for you to be in front of one of the most rabid and passionate fan bases in any sport?
1: man and but you hit it because every game it seems like uh especially every home game it seems like i'm getting more and more familiar with how some of my teammates enjoyed their college careers right like at that home game it was probably the loudest i've ever heard that that stadium and i was talking to jimbo which is a james cook and um he even mentioned like, man, this sounds like a college game. And I was like, man, I can't even imagine what it felt like to play a college game like this every single week. Cause I'm in awe. And this is my seventh year. And I've had tons of home games, but playing home with the fans, when they're in it, it's just a different feeling. And this is just one of those things where when people say, why Buffalo, like, why do you love Buffalo? This is why, like, the buffalo fans the buffalo family the mafia they truly are one of a kind and they continue to to show it they make us feel their presence and obviously this past weekend they made us hear their presence and uh um, it's one of a kind.
0: It seems to me, Dion, like unless you've been a part of that or unless you've actually seen it or been there, it's almost impossible to explain. It's almost impossible to explain what the Mafia's like and how badly they want it and the price they're willing to pay and that they're always there. You have to actually be there for it. Now, the win itself was enormous, but it was costly because you lost Rodavius White with a torn Achilles for the rest of the year. Man, yeah. I, I get that injuries are part of the game, but man, that is so devastating, especially when you consider that he tore his ACL two years ago. Have you been able to check in on him how's he holding up
1: yeah man uh so as you know i came in and with trey so this one definitely hit home um i definitely checked on him we have a great relationship but you know this is a tough time for trey um in this career in this world it like i hate to say that it sucks but it's a hundred percent injury rate, and when I and when I say that, it's true. Like this is a hundred percent injury rate. Everybody will go through an injury. Like right now, and my finger is a little messed up. So like everybody gets an injury, but for one and like this, when Trey just came back from a serious injury, and now this is another one. Um, we all know who our teammate is. Trey is going to come back stronger, harder than ever. He's one of the hardest working people that I know. You know, Trey is one of those guys that is in the building first and is out of the building last. Like when you're coming in for a walkthrough practice, Trey is walking the opposite way, drenched in sweat. And uh, you're like, what's Trey doing? And he's leaving the weight room because he's been in there for an hour and a half and before he needed to be. But um, this is definitely a challenge for him. Like we're getting older and Trey understands. But I think that this is one that Trey is going to pop back from extremely, you know, I don't like want to say quicker, but I think that he's gonna come back stronger with a stronger and mindset. But overall, it's hard to be an athlete in this in this world. But uh Trey is a good is a good dude and he has a good support system and uh he's gonna keep pushing. And we got his back. McDermott does. I do. Every teammate does. And we know the the type of guy that Trey is.
0: Deion Dawkins, my guest. I want to ask you about your event, but really quickly, I want to follow up on that. I use that phrase all the time. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's a 100% injury rate. It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. If you know that, man, how do you take the field without having that in the back of your mind when you know you will get hurt at some point?
1: Man, man you try not to think about it you want to know something and uh i'm gonna bring you into the fan world right the fans make you think about it more than anyone else like when you meet some somebody out and about or somebody sees you and asks for a picture and oh hi they always say don't get hurt don't Mm. get hurt and i'm like bro how like how am i supposed to not get hurt like you you guys are throwing it in my face think about it more than right like don't get hurt but hey like but besides that that thought is always there. And that's why when you're trying to be an elite player, when you're playing at an elite level, you just play every play like it is your last. Cause you don't want that last play to be a play that you're taking off or a play and that you're slacking off and just being calm. Like you want to play every play like with that high in and in, uh intensity. So when they rewind and that clip, like they're gonna say, look, this guy was playing his heart off uh or his heart out. And and he's just going, but hey, it sucks.
0: Now, you, you know exactly what I was talking about. That's exactly what I meant. You knew what I meant. So let me ask you this. You're always <laughs> active in the community with your Dion's Dreamer Foundation. You've got a fundraising event coming up on November 20th. It looks like and sounds like it's going to be an absolute blast, big dude. What's going to happen For on sure. November 20th at Forbes Theater?
1: man so if you know me and, and for anybody that knows uh, I usually do like this uh karaoke Fridays which in the locker room I put the camera on and I just bump music and I just sing to every song that people and request but this talent show it'll be one where you know maybe I'll get up there and do my little karaoke thing but I want to put the community's talents on show or put the community talents on snow which is my thing and um we're, we're going to have it, you know, like the ticket sales will be coming out soon and you'll be able to, you know, grab tickets and be a part of it. But it'll be one where the kids in the community could come out and be a comedian or juggle or do whatever they like to do, because uh, Buffalo is a special place. And I just want to continue to just put the shine on them and let the world know and let the world see that, you know, there's a lot of hidden gems in this giant dirt pile that we live in you know and it's uh it, like it'll be beautiful and fun all at the same time my man you are so the if absolute you're coming best. see you guys soon
0: yeah you are the absolute best <laughs> so are we waiting on the information where do they go to get information
1: so they can go uh follow my instagram which is jersey star with the z j-e-r-z-e-y or you can go to my twitter which is ddawkins66 or even follow dion's dreamers instagram account and Everything will be posted daily, little clips, little teasers, and just, you know, just follow along because, you know, it's a journey and it takes a team to get things like this done. So we're still in steps.
0: Dude, I absolutely love that you're going to put the community's talent on snow. Perfectly said. Dion Dawkins, my guest, (laughs) and they've got the Jags, and they're in London this weekend. Dion, appreciate you, dude. Very, very much. You always make it better. Great to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Have a great week. Good weekend, too. Thank you, bro. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is and they've made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. All right. So we all knew that Hemi Buckets was pissed last week when the heat missed on Dame Lillard. You knew it even before he, before he posted that video claiming or kidding about Milwaukee tampering. You knew Jimmy was going to be pissed. I even said that Jimmy would be pissed because Jimmy should be pissed. He had every right to be. I'd be pissed if he wasn't pissed. Miami had a Hall of Famer saying that he not only wanted to play for them, and not only did they miss out on that Hall of Famer, I mean, I can't stress that enough. We've made that point, but I can't stress that enough. You have a Hall of Famer, arguably still in his prime, and he's on record as saying it. This is where I want to be. And he's going to the highest rooftop you can find, and he's screaming it every single day. I want to play for the Heat. I don't want to play for anybody but the Heat. I want to play for the Heat. If you're the Heat, and you're in the East, and you just got to the finals, and you need somebody that you know can put you over the top, Why the hell would you not do everything in your power to get that guy? Especially when that guy raises his hand and lets everybody know. Come get me. Here I am. I'm not hard to find. I want to be here. So you can imagine where Hemi would not be happy about that. But one thing not to get the guy, quite another to not get the guy and watch him end up on Miami's biggest rival, arguably. So it's almost like Hemi and the Heat get punched in the face twice. They didn't get Dame, and Giannis did. So of course, Mr. Big Face had every right to be really upset. Really upset. This is one of the most competitive people in the history of the world. I knew he'd be upset. I just didn't know he'd be this upset. Like, turn up to Heat Media Day... Rocking guyliner upset. Guyliner, face piercings, black nail polish, and what can only be described as Cat Williams haircut. I mean, he really did show up to the Heat Media Day with flowing, wavy hair. And again, the, no judgment at all. I'm all about it. But this guy, you want to talk about a glow up. I mean, this dude literally changed his entire look and vibe and energy. And he's all about the energy. The energy, what he manifests, how he lifts people up. That, that's not what that was. Apparently, Hemi Buckets is now Emo Buckets.
1: I'm Emo. Leave me alone.
0: I'm emo, leave me alone.
1: I'm emo. Leave me alone.
0: You heard the man. He's emo. So what's going on here? He's dressing and acting in a way to reflect his emotional state. What's this?
1: This is uh, my emotional state. I'm one with my
0: emotions. So this is what you get. I love what's this? Like this dude shows up and he has all those things that I mentioned. So obviously the assembled media is like, what's this? What's this? This is what you get. What's this? Oh, this. Yeah, well, I, I'm an emotional person and I'm expressing my emotions right now. My I'm My emo. emotional state. I say it all the time. The Jimmy Buckets experience is an experience unlike any other. It's one of the all-time great experiences because you never know exactly what you're going to get. Because Jimmy has several faces. There is playoff Jimmy. There is big face coffee slinging Jimmy. And now there is emo Jimmy. And emo Jimmy is all up in his feelings. He's not even denying it. He's all up in his feelings and he's feeling so many feelings right now.
1: Just emotional right now. A lot have gone on in the past week. With basketball, so you know, I'm into wearing all black and then my emotions
0: the box of tamper
1: just show.
2: If you can name those emotions just that you have gone through within the past week, what are those emotions? So much has happened.
1: I was excited and then angry and then sad and then excited again and then pissed off and then sad again. And now I'm excited. You just can't tell because I'm not smiling, but I'm very happy.
0: Very emo. This dude's incredible. This dude's absolutely the best. How can you not love this guy? He might be different. He might be a little weird. He might be even a lot weird. But as I always say, weird is good. A lot weird is really good. Besides, when you can ball like this dude balls, you can wear whatever the hell you want, do whatever the hell you want, feel whatever feelings you want, look the way you want. You can blast as many javelins and piercings into your face as you want. You can bust out a flat iron and straighten out your hair as much as you want. Hell, still, Himmy's Galaxy... And Planet himmy can do whatever the hell Planet himmy chooses. Just when I thought that I could not like and respect Himmy any more than I already do, he shows up like this in response to what his franchise did not do. It's got to be the most hilarious possible response to being frustrated with an organization ever. It's so incredible and so awesome. And here's why. Look at today's NBA. When these entitled superstars don't get what they want, what do they do? They get all bent, they get all butthurt, and they demand a trade. Or they leak something to the media. Or they call the team president a liar. Somebody they've had a relationship with for like 20 years. Or they don a fat suit. Or both. Or they decide to be a part-time player. Any and all of those things. Not him He's not doing that. He's just straightening his hair, painting his nails black, wearing some black clothes, throwing on some guy-liner, and, oh yeah, blasting studs into his face and his eyebrows and connecting rings to his lips and nostrils... And it's absolutely awesome. The part that really gets me, it's the commitment to the bit. You know, maybe it's not a bit, right? Commitment to what it is, though. He had studs coming out his eyebrows. He had multiple lip rings. Not just a lip ring. Like, look at me. I slammed something in my lip. Multiples. And a nose ring. And I'm not embellishing this. Or overselling this, go find the pics. You know, no pics didn't happen. There are lots of pics. It happened. This dude really just sat through all those piercings just to show up and make a statement about his emotional state at Media Day. Oh, and flattened out his hair, made his hair all wavy and awesome. And then the best part about it was because it was Media Day, they took pics, and they're Media Day pics, so they last. You know, you can't delete those. They're from Media Day. They last all year. Pictures that are now official heat Media Day photos of Jimmy. You know, how long is he going to rock this look? I don't know. Hopefully forever. But what if it's gone in a week? It'll be there all year. Then what if it's already gone? And it could already be gone, but it will be there all year. And he made a statement. He showed up, and he made a statement, and it's awesome. The only thing left to do now is give Himmy Buckets the emo gloss. And there's some pretty good ones out there, like Ball Out Boy or Jimmy Hate World. Or how about this one, Death Cab for Jimmy or Jimmy's Chemical Romance. Personally, I can't look at these pictures, and I can't stop thinking about the lyrics. We don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. time. If you don't know Jermaine Stewart, go look that up too. Go side by side Jermaine Stewart and Hemi from yesterday, and you'll see where I'm going with that. Hey, don't let all this fool you. They may have missed on Dame, but they also might have just lit a fire under the ass of their superstar. In other words, Miami might have missed out on Dame, but they may have gained an emo himmy instead. In fact, I'm kind of inspired. This guy always inspires me, but in so many different ways. You know what? The next time you clones let me down the way the Heat let him down, the next time you let me down which will be like any minute now, I might just start jackhammering javelins and piercings through my face and my lip and my nose and my eyebrow. You know what I might get? The two gnarliest things. And again, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it because they look gnarly and painful. But I might. I'm inspired by this. I might get one of those super gnarly rods and jam it through the middle of my tongue. You know, and the one that's got that stud underneath it so it can't slip out. That looks really freaking painful. Clicks around on your teeth. Looks extraordinarily painful. And no offense if you have one of those things. It doesn't seem like the most hygienic thing in the world. But I'm thinking about doing that. If you clones let me down again anytime soon, like probably the next 60 seconds, I might have Tommy jam one of those things through my tongue. Or, better yet, you know what? If we can't find one of those javelins, I might get one of those enormous, giant hoop earring things that spread your ears out and make gigantic holes in your earlobe. DJ hates those things. They freak her out. Imagine me coming home with that, like, oh my gosh. What did you do? And I'll say, sweetheart, the clones, they let me down. But I I see a positive to those things. I didn't get them at first, but now I know what they are really is functional. It's not just kind of an an expression of self or maybe a pushback against society or somebody let you down. I could jam corks in those things and other weighty crap in there. Maybe I'll jam a cigar up in there for later on when I'm ready to fire it up. Maybe I'll jam a Sando in my ear from Ike's. Or both. Van Emo. You know I will. If you let me down, you know I will. You know I will. Death Cab for Romy. I'm feeling you, Hemi. I like it. Ryan in Ventura. Ryan. Persistence does pay, dude. You made it in. What's going on?
2: Jim, what's up, dude? What's up, Ryan? Hey, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, right?
0: Right, you are, Ryan. And now you're done. It's not a good call. No. You don't like this. Wow, dude. I don't like that call.
1: Not a very good car.
0: You spent an entire week trying to get on. What does that have to do with anything at all? What does that even mean in this context? Were you small-talking me? Were you trying to build rapport with me? Were you try- What the hell were you doing anyway, dude? What does that have to do with anything? That's kind of one of those things where, like, first of all, what the hell was that? The hell was that, Ryan? Let me just start right there. The hell was that? Now, if I had to guess, it could be one of a number of things. Number one, you just panicked and froze and either that just came out or you had that locked and loaded in the event of if I panic or I freeze or I forget what I want to say, I'm just going to blurt out Rome wasn't built in a day. Right? Right? Good one, dude. No, it wasn't. What do you got, brother? You know what? Screw it. Give him a golden ticket. Rome was not built in a day. Dude, that was so good. That was awesome. No, it wasn't. The hell was that, Ryan? Wow, dude, Dan Wetzel. When we come back, he is Dan Wetzel. Dan, appreciate you. Was always great to have you back. How you doing? Thanks, Jim. How are you? Good, good, man. How about you? How are things? Doing great. Good. So the best thing about talking to you is we could talk about anything at all. But let me start with some college ball. Why don't we start, down with Georgia? They're still top-ranked, but they did have to grind out a seven-point win over an average Auburn team. How do you view the two-time champs at this stage of the year, and do you think 20th-ranked Kentucky poses any threat to them this week?
2: You know, they're, I mean, they're clearly not the dominant team that they were the past two years. Uh, it's, it's just really hard. There's a reason no one's won three in a row. Uh, ever unless you count like the 1930s minnesota teams um but they're not as dominant uh they're not as deep they're not getting the same quarterback play uh the offense isn't as good um the defense is still pretty strong but um you know they're getting they're getting victories uh you know can they continue to play this way and make it all the way and and go undefeated probably not they have to get better but everyone's got to get better um can they, can they handle Ray Davis, uh, the uh, exceptional uh, Kentucky running back this week? They couldn't really stop the run that well last week. Um, Davis, I think, went for 260 um, in, uh, in Kentucky's win over Florida. Um, this is going to be a pretty good test for, for Georgia coming up this weekend. Uh, Carson Beck played better in the second half against Auburn but he's going to need to be better the whole game against Kentucky. Auburn's not a particularly good team and not a very good offense. So uh, there's a real challenge this week. They do have Brock Bowers. Tight end is unbelievable. They still got a lot of players, but they don't run the ball quite as well. They don't do everything just quite as well yet. So uh, Georgia's vulnerable. This This whole season sets up for, you know, usually by this time of year, you're not looking and going, man, I could see seven or eight different teams win a national title but that's how it is this season because there really isn't a super team that you should be
0: totally afraid of. Yeah, right. That's exactly how it feels. Dan Wetzel joining us. Like, So where do you put Michigan in that? Michigan came alive in Lincoln and hammering Nebraska 45-7. to They're good. Are they national championship good? Is this their year?
2: Michigan can win the national championship. We just haven't seen them play anybody really strong yet. We just don't know. Um, but I think Michigan could win it and Texas could win it. I think Ohio State could win it. I think Florida State could win it. Washington, Oregon. I don't know if USC's got the D. I don't know if Penn State's got the offense, but, um, you know, we're, we're we're pretty far down. the You know, we're nine, ten teams in there, right? Florida State could win it. There's a lot of teams that you can make the case. Um, I certainly don't have anything against Michigan. Balanced attack is that offensive line that has a few transfers that continue to gel and they run the ball better. Sure. Um, they don't really have a tough game until they play Penn State, I think, on November 11th. So it's a long buildup in this season for the Wolverines to get going. They're up at Minnesota. You know, they just have games that they should continue to win. Um, I don't fault them for doing what they're doing, but until you see them go against somebody great, what, what, what do we have here? But I just think there's a whole mess of teams that are capable of getting this done.
0: Dan Wetzel joining us. So, Dan, you mentioned Ohio State. Let me ask you this. What do you make of Ryan Day going in on Lou Holtz after that Buckeyes comeback win over Notre Dame? I mean, could you see why he was so aggravated? Or was he just butthurt attacking the elderly? And was Holtz actually fair in his criticism?
2: Holtz's criticism was pretty tame. I mean, he basically just said teams that beat. Beat Ohio State are are usually more physical than them, and he thought Notre Dame would be that. And Notre Dame is Notre Dame will only beat Ohio State by being more physical. They're never going to have more talent uh, at the skill positions than Ohio State. Virtually no one has more. If if anybody does, it's it's going to be a Georgia and an Alabama. Um, it's hard to have more talent than Ohio State. So, I, you know, I think Ryan Day. I think I think everything with Ryan Day right now stems from what's going on at Michigan. Michigan is in, in his head. Uh, you know, he's there. They beat Notre Dame. It's a great victory. Um, it would be better to focus on the great victory than fighting with Lou Holtz, who hasn't coached in decades. Um, but that's where you're at. Uh, but he's, you know, his thing is our, our program is tough. Losing to Michigan is an enemy. He's declaring, hey, look, This narrative, we're not tough, it ends right now. We beat Notre Dame. It doesn't end on a September night in South Bend. It can only end on a November afternoon in Ann Arbor. You have to go up there, stare down the bully, punch him in the face, beat Michigan, and then, yeah, Ohio State will be fine. You'll be able to say, look, we're tougher than Michigan. But until you do that, that's the nature of that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. It's all encompassing. Three years ago, Jim Harbaugh was doing a pretty, pretty nice job in Michigan. Everyone was all over him because he couldn't beat Ohio State. It's just the way that thing works. It overwhelms everything. Uh, and you could see the frustration there in Ryan Day. I think that's what the reaction was. It really had nothing to do with Lou Holtz. It everything to do with Jim Harbaugh.
0: 100%. Ryan Day. I like Ryan Day, but when you talk about having to beat the bully, you're right. 86-year-old Lou Holtz is not the bully. That's not the guy <laughs> you want to punch in the face. That didn't fix that. I agree with you. Where do you come out Dan on Colorado? So after back-to-back losses they're out of the top 25. But what did you make of the way they kept fighting after spotting USC that 41-14 lead and does coach Prime still have your attention?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it still remains a fascinating program. Um, look, you can't you can't just snap your fingers and take a 11 team and turn them into a 12 and 0 team. It's just I don't care if you had I don't care who you got. They don't have the depth. They don't have a pass rush. I mean, you could see the holes all over that team. And when they were going to face, particularly Oregon and then USC, this was going to be a huge problem. Caleb Williams had all day to throw the ball back there. Um, But they fought. Uh, Shador Sanders is an incredible player, tough as nails. Uh, They've got a lot of good players. And it's all about, you know, they had like 200 recruits at the game. They've got celebrities. I I suspect they will close very well and have some serious flips at the end of the recruiting cycle, and they will dominate in the portal this spring, uh, this winter and spring, not just bringing in quantity like last time. When you had to scramble and try to bring in 70 guys, you're looking at uh, real quality this time. So this was a process. Uh, That first month couldn't have gone much better. I thought they could be a lot better and be one and four. They're three and two. Um, now they got to continue it. Arizona State, they need to beat. They need to beat Stanford. They need to go in and try to get, you know, get to, to get past six wins and get a, get into a bowl game and all that. Hold their own. We'll see where they go. But um, in terms of of proof of concept to recruits, in terms of excitement, in terms of the number of guys they got out there to visit and all that. Um, hugely, hugely successful uh, season for, for Deion Sanders so far.
0: Right. Parents weekend is Stanford, so I'll be at that game. I want to see that myself. I want to ask you about something that got some attention and you paid it some attention and then it was kind of gone, but I thought it was really unique and really unusual. What do you make of Travis Hunter and the way he ultimately handled that cheap shot that resulted in a lacerated liver and cost him multiple games and what he did after the fact?
2: Yeah, look, he they, they immediately stood up uh, both both Prime and Travis Hunter for uh, Henry Blackburn, the, the Colorado State player who, who delivered the hit. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a dirty hit. It was after the whistle. It got flagged. It could have been, um, you know, I think we focus in football so much on, on head, on, you know, head, head, the head shots, head shots and stuff like that. Um, this is a danger. I mean, you lacerated the guys. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awful. Um, Travis Hunter missed, Two of the biggest games. He's knocked out part of his season. He certainly wanted to play in these games. It was a big thing. Uh, they defended Blackburn right away. So, look, it's an emotional game. It's a tough game. This is fine. And then uh, Travis Hunter's got this YouTube show, you know, all the NIL stuff. And he has Blackburn on. They sit there and talk. Uh, they show they can be friends. They try to build a friendship. They go bowling for charity. Uh, I thought it was a class, class move by, by Travis Henry and, and all of that. You know, we just talk about. Ryan Day and Lou Holtz screaming at each other. You can go anywhere anywhere on social media. Everyone's yelling at each other. Washington politics, businesses, everyone's screaming at each other in this country. And here's a 20-year-old kid uh, saying, hey, you know what? I actually, got not, I actually got my liver lacerated. I had to miss three games, including the USC game, that I wanted to play in front of every NFL team. Uh, and it's cool. I forgive them. It's just football. It's a, it's a nice uh, message to send uh, to the country and a reminder maybe these these younger guys got a better idea what to do than, than all of the rest of us.
0: Yeah, never mind being the adult in the room, the adult in the room, all the adults, can't seem to figure it out. If anybody had a reason to scream at somebody or something, it was him. Dan Wetzel joining me for a couple of more moments. I don't want this to be misconstrued in any way, but let me ask you this, Dan. Mental health is certainly no laughing matter and it would appear that Chandler Jones certainly is struggling right now mightily. But as the executive producer of the Aaron Hernandez Netflix documentary, what was your reaction to Jones saying that Hernandez, in fact, did not die in prison, but that Josh McDaniels had him killed in an industrial park?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously it's outrageous. Yeah. Um, And you feel for whatever Chandler's going through. Um, You know, uh, he's I've known Chandler for a while, and his his brother, obviously, MMA champ, and his mom and all of that. It's it's really a a great family, so I really feel for that. Um, The idea, I, I will just say the idea that because there is a sort of a conspiracy, there always has been this little bit of a conspiracy that Aaron Hernandez did not kill himself, uh, he certainly was not murdered by Josh McDaniel in an industrial part. I mean, that's, it, 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 it's so impossible. It's just absurd to even say it, but the idea that anyone killed Aaron Hernandez, uh, spent a lot of time on that because I was certainly, you know, looking through all the reports, but forget me, you could go to, uh, Aaron's family, including his attorney, Jose Baez, one of the best attorneys I've ever seen in this country. Um, was vigilant in trying to figure out, was there anything other than suicide here? And unequivocally, it was a suicide. There isn't a shred of anything other than why would he do that? It was a mystery. He, sal- he surprised people with it. Um, but in terms of, of the facts of what went down, how it went down, what was going on, every single witness and all of that, um, Aaron Hernandez killed himself and you know, I I certainly believe it. all the authorities believe it, but even Aaron's family and his attorneys who are extremely high powered and not afraid of anybody and would have no problem uh, going after the, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts um, if they thought there was any shred of a case, all agree on the same thing. And I think that's the thing I hate to see any athlete or anybody uh, hold any bit of this idea that, that, Aaron Hernandez did not commit suicide in prison. He did. Uh, As for coming up with Josh McDaniel and something, that's just ridiculous. I I, I don't know what's going on with Chandler Jones. I I feel bad for him and his family.
0: Right. I appreciate your thoughts on that. If you've not seen that documentary, it's on Netflix. Dan Wetzel is the EP of that. It's a fascinating doc. You should see it. Hey, Dan, leave me with this thought, or don't if you don't want to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. And take my shot. My wife, Janet, and I dropped our younger son, Logan, off in Boulder to go to college a few weeks back. And I think we're like a lot of parents this time of year or several weeks back that did that. We, in fact, are now empty nesters. I know you dropped your daughter off as well. What was that like and how hard did that hit?
2: Yeah, you and I were (laughs) were texting about that. Um, Yeah, well, this is your last one, right? This was my first.
0: Right. So what was that like? Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was it was it was tough. It was tough. I was it was it was a day or two of uh, kind of shock to the system. You know, I mean, you just you got someone there for, for 18 years and that friendship and all of that. But uh, when you see him doing so well, it's uh, certainly a you know, as I'm sure you're you know, you're sitting there with Logan saying you know the guy's having time of his life. He's at Colorado. This is great. Everything's going great. And you got to remember that. So it's time, but it's tough as a parent, you know. And I'm sure you're looking around the house right now going, I was going to watch the game with him. Where is he at? Where is this one at? What's going on? It gets quiet in the house. So it's just, it's something that parents and, and, and certainly fathers have to go through that, um, maybe we're not really ready for. I certainly wasn't until, uh, that last week. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is, uh, this is this is a different one, so I appreciated being able to reach out to you on that.
0: No, hey, listen, it's it's like anything else. You can't prepare for it until it happens. I remember. When we had our first one, Jake and Janet sent me to baby class and we were going to baby class once a week for several hours. Like there was no way that was going to prepare you for what was going to happen when you first bring that child home. Right now, the thing that you did, leave us with this thought. You actually had a plan in place for when this happened. I did not, but you actually met with a bunch of fellas who were going through (laughs) the same thing at the same time. Where did you guys go and did that help? What was that like? Yeah, well,
2: my solutions are often just involved alcohol, Jim. Um, so it's not <laughs>
0: right. I understand that. Me too.
2: Not the best, uh, maybe the best solution. Yeah, no. I texted like like uh, like ten guys that had like dropped somebody off, and someone dropped off their third kid. Someone dropped off their first, whatever. And it was kind of funny. I just said, hey, you want to meet up at this uh, this bar, the Blarney Stone, uh, in uh, Berkeley, Michigan? Not a uh, not a fancy place. Great place though, and uh, they. Uh, like nine of them were there in like 15 minutes. It was pretty funny. It was like 6 o'clock on a Friday. and Yeah, so we just drank and had a few beers and, and talked it over. So it's it an impromptu support group. But uh, Dad's got to support each other. You know, it's a tough, tough job, and it doesn't end just to, to, to get in there. So it um, adjusted well, though, both, both me and my daughter, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you and everyone else. It's just a, it's a big transition. It's a, parenthood goes very, very quickly and then very, very slowly at the same time.
0: Like we say, long days, short years. Long days, yeah. short years. Dude, I bring that up because I know there's a lot of people listening. They can really, in fact, relate to that, and they know you, and they read you, and they respect you. And then come to find out you're like the rest of us in that regard. We're all like the rest of us in that regard. It's hard, except that you are a Yahoo Sports national columnist and a best-selling New York Times author and the co-host of a great podcast, too. Dude, appreciate you very much, Dan. Thanks for weighing in on all of that. Always good to have you on the show, and I appreciate the conversation.
2: Thanks, Jim. Always appreciate you, man. Take care. Good night now!